They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. All right, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. My name is Humpty. Pronounce with a umpty. Yo, ladies, oh, how I'd like to... Uh-oh. That went south kind of fast. Pretty quick. Pretty quick. Pretty quick. Well, welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Thoughts That Rock, the podcast that is about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice. We try and do that in about 30 minutes. Look, we get it. We know how busy you are trying to grab these little chicken McNuggets of wisdom in a nice, tasty box that you can take with you on your day. We try to do that. So it doesn't really matter what you're doing right now, whether you are watching Jersey Shore reruns or... Perhaps you're buttering a cake pan, or maybe you're trying to escape one of those Chinese finger traps. We just want to be the 30 minutes that you look forward to each and every week. Yeah, and Thoughts That Rock helps support Cannonball Kids Cancer. It's mm-hmm. a fantastic nonprofit focused on providing options to kids with cancer who basically have been told that they've run out of options. And the cool thing is that CKC, they help identify innovative options, and then they provide the funding necessary for that treatment. They basically provide hope to the hopeless, and for that, we just think they rock. Absolutely. Just a quick reminder, whether you're listening to this on Stitcher or iTunes or Google Podcasts, it doesn't really matter. If you like the show, we would love it if you would take a moment and give us a rating and more importantly, even leave us a written review. Yeah. Those, those written comments actually help us get in front of the people that we want to be in front of so that the show will grow, you guys will get more advice, and most importantly, it helps us support Cannibal Kids Cancer for sure. even more. So if there's something we can do for you. Like what? I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, we, we put on that low-cut V, Jim, Ooh, I'm in my heels. I'm feeling it. You feel it? I'm feeling you it. You know when that happens, it's only one thing. I know exactly what time it is. It's business time. This time. Our awesome guest today is my longtime and dear friend, Kathleen Wood, who is the CEO of Susie Swirl, which is a frozen dessert concept based outside of Chicago, which she started with her sister and her niece. And we're just so thrilled. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Kathleen. But first off, I'm, I'm really, really honored that we got you on the show. Welcome, Kathleen, to Thoughts That Rock. Well, thank you so much, Jim, and right back at you with, uh, you know, how dear of a friend you are to me and our journey's been together. And Brant, uh, always a pleasure, and I thank you both for the opportunity to be on Thoughts That Rock today. Well, thank you. It's, it's a group hug over here. I'm hugging Brant in lieu of you yes. sitting right in front of me right now. <laughs> uncomfortable. Thank you, thank you so much for that, Jim. It, it is. It is uncomfortable right now for all of us. <laughs> So, uh, you know, in addition to running that family business, um, Susie Squirrel, Kathleen is also an author. She wrote a book called The Best Shift of Your Life. She's a keynote speaker. You know, she's very, very successful with her uh, growth strategist company. She's a consultant, usually working with, I would say, executive teams and founders is kind of her sweet spot. Um, She's led the executive strategy and efforts for many companies that you probably know, Checkers and Rallies, Famous Dave's, uh, Beef O'Brady's, 
Um, help me out. P.F. Chang's, I know, is another one. Many, many more. But it was really, I think, in 2005, 2007, that sort of two-and-a-half, three-year stint that Kathleen served as president and COO of Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, which we all love. And uh, really, it was during those operations and the recovery efforts after Hurricanes Katrina and Rita. Oh, my gosh. You just I, I remember you telling me stories about going through that, but it was powerful and, and interesting, and I'm sure you'll have some stories that you can share. But while you were there, you know, really growing the business from $24 million to $100 million, just, I mean, that's a short, short time period to have that type of growth. You went from 24 locations to 68, if I remember correctly, you expanded from three states to 14. So really just, uh, you know, focusing on the long-term culture of the brand is kind of what, what you were focused on. Even though there was a lot of day-to-day operations, it was the, I think the perpetuation of the brand and you can see it and feel it when you go in, into a, uh, a Raising Cane's, or at least for me, and going through the drive-thru. Um, and Kathleen's had many board hats that she's worn, most notably with Bama International and also with the Women's Food Service Forum. I personally know uh, Kathleen from Chart. So we've talked about Chart on the show before. This is the uh, Council of Hotel and Restaurant Trainers, which is really the hospitality industry's premier association. And when I met Kathleen, she was the president of that group. And, uh, geez, we have just... Uh, We've had some businesses together and shared a lot of laughs and tears over the years, and now has just become one of my best friends. So, again, Kathleen, we're just we're we're so honored to have you here. Well, thank you for that, Jim. And uh, I, you leave me speechless before we start with that introduction. So, thank you so much. And uh, the thing I love the best about the whole introduction is the conclusion where we're best friends, and yes. that you know I'm forever grateful for. And uh, to be in the mix here today with you and Brant. Uh, is another gift of our journey together. So I've been uh, blessed to do a lot of great things in my career and in my life. And, uh, you know, to be here today is just a, you know, adds another one to that list of great moments. So thank you. Awesome. So I had you at Best Friends, but I had Brian at Chicken Fingers. <laughs> this is true. I've lost him. I've completely <laughs> true. lost him. You think about food. I'm just thinking you know, about honey fingers, mustard You know, you sauce. have to love them. I mean, everyone yeah. loves a good chicken finger. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, last time I checked, we're in America. <laughs> And that's what we eat here we, in America. We eat chicken fingers. We eat chicken fingers. I know. So. You know, I give uh, I give Todd Graves, the founder of Raising Cane, such great credit. You know, he just got named one of the top CEOs in the in the entire United States this year, which is so wow. powerful. But I remember like the first several years of Raising Cane's where they'd say, well, do you really think chicken fingers are going to sell? Do you think they're going to sell? And he was always so kind to just say, I, I think we're going to be okay, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, they're like delicious. Of course they're going to sell. They so, are. Um, but he was always so gracious because I think he was asked that question, you know, hundreds of thousands of times. And he was always as gracious as the first time he was asked as the millionth time he was probably asked. And I think it was great role modeling for everybody in the company. And obviously their success speaks for itself today yep they absolutely do and, and i know it's a short period of time but you had a huge part in that as well and we have some other friends in the industry that have kind of gone through that raising canes funnel but what a great company and what a great culture yep. and again that I, I attribute that to to all of you well well it's uh, definitely a team effort and i was very uh grateful to work with a lot of great you know working with todd and a lot of great people on that team that because it really does take a whole team when you're trying to you know uh go into a hurricane come out of a hurricane and grow from a hurricane and uh, i think we were all very fortunate to have just a remarkable group of people you know at that time but it yeah. also to your point speaks to the culture of all the people that are you know that are there today building a you know an international brand which is very exciting for sure so Kathleen, we, uh, we, we do things a little bit differently here. You probably know from some podcasts, you know, instead of going through a complete 
background and, and what got you to here. I think people are very interested in that. And we, we'll put some of that stuff in the show notes. We are really looking for some awesome, great pieces of advice. And so we're, we're going to leave the floor open to you and, and get right to the heart of it. And we really want to know, what is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. Well, you know, one, thanks for that. And what I've been really thinking about um, is this idea of where, you know, when you're an entrepreneur or when you're a business owner, when you're trying to grow a, uh, a business, right? Everyone always says to you, you know, just keep the faith. Just keep the faith. It'll all be okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a wonderful thing to say. And, you know, thanks for everyone who says that. But what I've really been thinking a lot about is that it's really easy to say, you know, keep the faith or faith will conquer fear. Yet when you're in the, you know, the heat of the moment and you're in it to win it, you know, it's a, it's very powerful and equally challenging to both teach that and live that because fear is such a powerful force in, you know, in life and in our world today that, you know, when you hear people saying, you know, hey, keep the faith or your faith will conquer your fear. It's so easy to say, but so much more challenging to actually live. Yeah. And, and, and more importantly, to, to actually teach others to believe that that is in fact the way to get to, you know, success in the other side of perhaps the chaos that you find yourself in. You know, it's, it's interesting. I couldn't agree with you more, you know, fear for us, um, just triggers that fight or flight sort of, uh, uh, syndrome that that we all face especially entrepreneurs when you are you know faith faith requires uh or faith happens because you don't really know what's going to happen right you you don't have any proof so that that's where the faith steps in and interesting enough you know this was uh when we did a we did a, a survey of about 400 people when we released our book and we asked them what is the most challenging thing stopping you from making meaningful change in your life. And I fully expected fear to be number one. Uh, right. But interestingly, fear was number three. And the second one was actually money. People saying money was stopping them from making change. Fear was stopping them from making change. But the number one by, by a three times margin was discipline. Was discipline. Wow. Discipline was what was stopping people from making meaningful change. And, and when I think about someone who says, keep the faith, it is so hard to remain disciplined to that when you, right. you don't know what's coming around that next corner, right? I, I totally agree with you. And I think that, you know, when you start to think about it, you, you, what I would ask on that scenario is discipline, you know, one of these hidden triggers of fear. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I if I don't, if I'm fearful of success or if I'm fearful of failure, do I manifest that in a way that it makes it makes me not do certain things? I self-sabotage or, right. you know, I procrastinate till the very last minute or I slide something in because, you know, I think when we talk about faith too, a lot of people think, well, you must be speaking to spirituality, sure. which I think is a dimension of that. But I also believe as an entrepreneur, you know, when you're trying to put your vision out there and you're trying to say, look, we're, we're here today and we want to be here in, you know, the next five years, you know, people have to put a lot of faith in that leader and that entrepreneur that, you know, they're going to live up to that. And that entrepreneur has got to have that internal fortitude to say, yeah, I'm putting it up there because I truly believe we're going there. So I, I could see where kind of full circle, I could see where discipline 
would make you out of shape, right? Yep. And I could also see where discipline also manifests issues with money. Yes. And I just wonder if it all gets triggered back to this, you know, your point, flight or fight kind of thing mm-hmm. relative to fear. Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, as someone who has been a part of several startups, I know you obviously as well as have, have led many successful startups. Uh, it, it comes that there comes a time when everyone's looking at you, right? So you're, you're the leader, right. you're supposed to have all the answers. You, you don't really want to show fear because you want everyone else to, to just believe like you want to believe. But, uh, you know, I think we're at an era now where, where things, the tide is turning a little bit. I don't know if you would agree with me, but I, I think that we've sort of reached this point where it's okay to be a little bit vulnerable. It's okay to be transparent. It's okay to be authentic and say, gosh, I, I, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I don't know, you know, how we're going to get there. We have a plan, but but I can't guarantee that this is going to happen. But um, I think people are starting to recognize that and and recognize how it sort of humanizes us all and makes us understand that we're all in this together. And maybe it buys a little more engagement from our teams. Well, I love the idea that we should all be in it together. I totally, I totally agree with you. And I do think that we are in an era where people want to see leaders who are, you know, uh, that are human, right? Mm-hmm. However, I still think they want to see leaders that are confident yes. and can inspire and can, you know, on the darkest of days, still get the team to rally and find some light in forward movement, right? That's right. So, uh, and, but I, I think it's a balance, quite frankly, because, you know, there are times where, you know, um, I, I'm constantly saying, look, looking for perfection in an imperfect world mm-hmm. is a complete waste of time, right. you know, because you're just going to go crazy. So as a leader and as an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm totally comfortable saying, look, I may not have all the answers, but I have these answers. Now, what do you want to add to that? What do you want to challenge on that? Well, what do you want to shift on that? Because what what we re- really should all be in this together for is what's the best answer? What's the best path for us to go? Because when we when we work it together, you know, I think that also inspires people to to have faith in that leader too. And I do think we are on that shift. And I think for many leaders, they struggle because they're like, well, if I don't put up this whole facade that everything's fine, right? You know, people will start jumping ship. And I'm like, look, I'm not saying that you know you're not a robot. But, you know, we do have to show that, you know, look, we're open to feedback. We're open to having conversations and we're open to having questions. But let's let's at least give people some a vision and a path and then let's get them to be part of that as we grow and go. I, I love that you, um, you know, when you're talking about entrepreneurship and, and dealing with founders, I mean, you, you basically have your feet squarely ensconced in both areas. I'm glad you brought up both because you were talking about faith as being this sort of belief system that you can make it happen. You have to have faith and that'll win out over everything. And again, it is easy to say, but this is in a lot of ways how some startups will think. That's how the the founder will think. But you also said it sort of got this uh, religious context. And I know, you know, you have shared with me uh, your journey with faith and part of it really learning a lot from your sister, Sue, um, as you guys started the business together. And I wonder if you could sort of talk about both of those when you're talking about faith you know, not that, that you have a religious concept, but boy, that actually did help you in conquering the, the, the things that will come with the startup. That's where fear lives, right? Well, exactly. And I think this is where I was, you know, 
I searched my whole life for a great business partner. And if someone would have told me it was going to be my sister, Sue, I think she would have been laughing. And I think I would have been laughing. But the one thing I would say about my sister is, you know, she is a great person of faith. I mean, she, she truly, she lives this. It is who she is. She embodies it. She teaches it. She's a minister to others of it. It's very much a core DNA of who she is. And so she, she did bring that to our partnership. I have great faith in the fact that the business is going to be successful and we're going to do amazing things. Right. So one comes from a little bit more of the heart and the other one comes a little bit more from the head. And I think what we have found in our journey that, um, you know, I used to always joke to people and say, oh, yeah, I used to just leverage my sister's faith until I found my own. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and as I found in my journey and as I found working with a lot of founders, you know, at a certain point, as much as your head wants to tell you a lot of things, you've got to dig into your heart and find your faith, you know. It, it, whether it be in yourself, you know, whether it be through spirituality, whether it be through, you know, having great conversations where you can be vulnerable, you know, to really talk about, you know, crisis of confidence or, you know, concerns that you're having. And I think that, um, you know, one of the great I always credit my sister because, you know, she's a great business partner. But part of what made her a great business partner is that, you know, she opened up you know, my, the, the, I always had a big heart, but it was, you know, a heart now that's got a tremendous amount of soul to it. And that, you know, and I think that that comes across in our business. It comes across in how we want to, you know, leave our legacy and how we want to lead and direct our team. Um, And it drives a lot of, you know, our decisions so that we're really trying to lead it in a way that is true to who we are but that we're really bringing our whole self to what we do each and every day. And I think just to kind of step back on what Brant was saying, I think it's really about bringing your whole self now. I think the days of bringing, you know, the robotic side of yourself or, hey, I'm only going to show you this side that never sweats. Yeah. I, think, I think people are wise to that. And I think they yeah. really want to see you bring your whole self. Yeah. You know, it's talking about the head and the heart. I mean, you're speaking my language. Uh, it's where I live. It's what I teach. And, and the interesting thing for me, as you are building, uh, you know, your brand at Susie Swirl, it's the interesting thing that people don't understand is when we actually can align our head and our heart is when we create favorites. That's how we create a favorite. Whether it's a fa- yeah. favorite smell, a favorite song, a favorite movie, a favorite, whatever it is, it's when our head and our hearts align, things become our favorite. So if you want that brand, if you want that to become someone's favorite, those two things have to be aligned if you're going to get there. And if you don't have those two things aligned, it's going to be a really uphill battle. Oh, totally agree. You know, I have a great friend. Her name is Wendy Davidson. And, uh, you know, she's the president of Kellogg's Consumer Packaged Goods and Specialty Foods. And she's a she's an amazing, amazing woman, amazing leader. And she always speaks about the fact that, you know, we have to connect our head and our heart so that our hands will do the work that we're meant to do. Mm, like it. And uh, I just love that because I really do think that, you know, to your point, when we're connected in that way, you know, some people could say that it's God's work. Some people can say it's the universe's work. But to, to your very clear point, when it's all connected, we are working in the light of making positive change in the world. So good. And, and I really do believe that's that's as leaders and as entrepreneurs and as people of the planet, 
that's what we should all be striving to do each and every day. That's what will make our world a better place. And it's what's making us struggle right now, right? I mean, that's, that's, we were just, Jim and I were having this discussion at lunch, um, is that you you can't turn on a television without, it's, it's just bad news. Yeah. It's just bad news here, bad news there. And it's like, you know, if we don't start deliberately trying to bring some of that light, uh, our, our friend Brett Culp talks about it all, all the time about letting your light, um, you know, shine in the darkness around you so that at least there's something, there's something there that's, that's lighting the way for right. people. Uh, it, it becomes really, really hard, but I, I couldn't agree with you more that it's, it is desperately needed. And, and if we want to reach our full potential, I think as a country, I think that's the, the diving board that we should be jumping off of. 100% agree. And I think that bad news, you know, obviously generates great revenues for, you know, major networks and people who are in that business, right? Yeah. And, um, but I also do think that, you know, for some reason that bad news drowns out, you know, because look at us, we all know good people doing good things, but it's not make it's not getting past the sea of all of the bad news, right? Right. So, so I do think there's a collective, I believe that there's, you know, when, when you're doing things like you're doing here with your podcast, or when we're doing the work that we're supposed to be doing, you know, that collective energy of us working together, you know, does bring more positive to the world, because we know people doing positive things. We know people, you know, doing good work, we know people bringing light to the, you know, where darkness lives, we we know these things, you know, we know that's going on, it's just getting drowned out. And I think that, you know, the more that we do great work, like your podcast, and what we do every day i think that over time you get that tipping point that's that's what i have faith in is that there'll be a tipping point and where all of this the negative starts to get drowned out by more of the positive yeah we couldn't i absolutely couldn't agree more with you unfortunately kathleen we're out of time for today's pub oh. no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you very much. And this is awesome. And uh, I'd like to thank all the TV networks. Uh, that's right. We're just trying to boost the ratings here, you know, Kathleen. Yeah, that's nice that's job. all we're doing. Nice job. Okay, let me tweet something very quickly. <laughs> so, you know, I, uh, I I think when I went back and looked in my book, I count something like 40 different brands that I probably talk about. Um, and I think, brand, you know this, that I, I highlight Susie Squirrel. I talked about that's Kathleen right. at the very end of the book. It's kind of the pinnacle, like all the things that you talk about in all these chapters that lead up to this moment. Uh, I talk about her. I also talk about Zingerman's up there in, you know, up north. Um, but Kathleen's just done a fantastic job. And I, I wonder if very quickly, Kathleen, I mean, just to sort of set the stage for what our next thought's going to be, I'd love for you to share the story of how Susie Squirrel got started because we talk about Sue, we talk about the family business, but yeah. um, th- there was a little bit of a change here. You talk about faith conquering fear. Um, it wasn't exactly how you intended initially to start the business, right? Right. And thanks for that, Jim. And, you know, we big fans of culture that rocks too, by the way. So, mm-hmm. um, well, yeah, it is bestseller. So what I would say is that um, my sister has, has had the privilege of watching me be in the food service industry my whole life. And uh, it never really inspired her to be in the food industry her whole life either. Um, you know, her aspiration was to be a, an amazing mother and a, you know, community and contribute to her community in a meaningful way. And uh, she certainly has exceeded that on so many levels. And it was really her husband that wanted to be in the restaurant industry. And his name is Joe. And he wanted to open restaurants. He was in construction. And I was always like, Joe, look, I do really, really well consulting, helping restaurants grow. But, you know, I don't think I want to open a restaurant. 
And I had had this experience where I helped a company grow and they did extraordinarily well. And, you know, and at the end of it, you know, as sometimes things go, you know, we had a little bit of a, a difference in how we perceived, you know, where the next steps were going to be. And in, in that moment where some could say, man, that really didn't fall your way, Kathleen, it actually ended up falling the best way possible because sometimes out of struggle, you get great clarity. And I got this immediate clarity that, I was, I really wanted to go build a business, you know, for and with my family. So I went back to Joe and said, you know, after 20 years of talking about building something, let's do this. So the two of us, you know, plotted our course. Unfortunately, right as we were beginning our planning stages, you know, Joe unfortunately passed away um, from a heart attack, um, leaving Sue, you know, obviously with four children and her first grandson on the way. And I was very fortunate that I was working with a lot of amazing people. And so it afforded me some time to be with the family and, and Sue. But after about six months, I went back and said, look, I still, no matter if you do this with me or without me, I still need to do this for my own edification. Mm. Um, because I just, I don't, I don't know how to continue to move forward if I don't do this. And so my niece, Jen, joined me in the journey, Sue's daughter, which was great. Uh, Sue's other daughter, Julie, joins us in the journey, you know, part through it. And then one day, Sue, um, you know, is watching all this go by and she's, you know, she came and said, look, I've I've been really thinking about this. And, you know, what I've made a decision is I want to show my children that after a great loss, you can have a great life. Mm. And I want to be a part of this and let's build a great business. And um, and that was a huge turning point. And obviously one that, um, you know, when we think about it, it was this turning point of how the business started. And when we look at ourselves now, seven years later, we look at it that that was the catalyst and that helped drive us to where, you know, to many of the success that we enjoy today. And so it's part of our DNA. And now today, you know, we're inspired to go out there and not only show, you know, her children, but now how to show other entrepreneurs, uh, you know, other people that have challenges, how they can still, you know, take those very you know, impactful moments, but how to turn those into not giving up on life, but doubling down on it. Yep. And, uh, and with Susie Swirl, we are on a mission to inspire 1 million moments of frozen happiness <laughs> by, you know, lifting spirits, lifting spoons, and helping to lift happiness across the United States. Mm. Who doesn't want a little frozen happiness in their Oof. life? Everybody needs, a, everybody needs a scoop of frozen happiness. Don't yeah. they, though? The they it, do. It, it's so cool because it's exactly where your thought is. You, I mean, again, you're not just saying it. You actually are living the fact that your faith, this faith, conquers fear. And it's a perfect segue again into what the next thought's going to be. Because even your story could have been part of our thought. Like, the, the, you absolutely represent what this whole mindset is. And, Brant, this, this is something that you talk about on a regular basis. Why don't you give us what our thought that rocks is? Thoughts that rock, number two. Our thought that rocks is this. The key to powerful change is commitment and forgiveness. And as I sort of dug into writing about change and and how we deal with change as humans and the behavioral science behind what it does to our brains, both chemically and biologically and all those sorts of things, you know, change brings with it an enormous amount of uncertainty and requires an enormous amount of vulnerability. Uh, so both mm. of both of those things are so incredibly uncomfortable for us to deal with as humans. But uncertainty, right. uncertainty 
was really what sort of threw me for a loop because what I didn't understand until I really started to dig in is that our brains view uncertainty as a risk, um, as a threat, right? And so that threat, our brains just want to make whatever is uncertain, certain as quickly as possible. But the scary part is our brains don't care if we're right or wrong. Our brain just wants us to know that we're certain about something. So we could be certainly wrong. And, (laughs) and that really began to frighten me because I think that that actually happens more than we'd be willing to admit for a lot of us that that uncertainty causes irrational behavior, which causes irrational decision-making, which ends up with some really bad outcomes. And so when we started to dig into how do you battle that? How do you battle? Because it literally triggers fight or flight. I mean, that's what uncertainty does. And what we found is that the best way to battle that uncertainty and vulnerability is through commitment and forgiveness. And I think it really is sort of an extension of your original thought in that this idea that faith conquers fear really plays into your commitment level. Because there are going to be times that I'm sure you want to throw in the towel or you want to change directions irrationally or you have this knee-jerk reaction to something that happened that potentially could be a really bad decision in the moment and you have to have the courage to stay committed and stay faithful to the direction that you want to go. But at the same time, and this is the part that we found is missing from most of the organizations that, that we spoke with, is this idea of forgiveness. I think so many companies have so many failed initiatives that when the next new initiative starts, the immediate response from most employees is, here we go again. And, right. and right. there's no forgiveness. There's no forgiveness from, <laughs> from the previous failure. Right. And so right. they're approaching it, this uncertainty, through fight or flight already, already thinking that this is going to tank. And that, that, that forgiveness that's missing ultimately dooms the new initiative and, and provides a very slim window for success. I mean, is that, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I would. Uh, yes. And it's, I would even take it one more step further, Brent, and say, you know, I've been in scenarios where this is still a very much part of the culture and they'll, and people will be talking about, let's just say this person, Sam. And I'm like, well, where's Sam? Why isn't Sam in the meeting? Well, Sam, Sam hasn't worked here in two years. Oh my gosh. So we're still holding on to this from a person who hasn't been employed here for two years. Gosh. I mean, I think that's how much it can permeate, you know, a culture yeah. and, you know, um, I, I, I would totally agree with you on that. And I, I would also say that, you know, I find this in with entrepreneurs, uh, too, that, you know, this idea of commitment and forgiveness, you know, I kind of relate it to resilience, because mm-hmm. I think if you look at one core trait of entrepreneurs, they're very resilient. Yes. You know, they get knocked down, they get back up. That's why they continue to go. But, but I think the other thing that entrepreneurs have not done, you know, that they're learning, and I'm certainly in the school of continuing to have to learn this daily, is we have to forgive ourselves when we make a failure, you yeah. know. And I think that, um, you know, I fail about 5,000 times in any <laughs> given week. Come on. But, and I have to learn how to forgive that so I can let go of that to keep moving forward. When I work with other entrepreneurs, it's the same thing. We could sit there and, you know, beat ourselves up all day long about that. But if we let that become the predominant, it erodes our, to your point, commitment, resilience. Yeah. And then it starts to be, it seeps in like, you know, it becomes insidious into the culture. 
And now, now the challenge has just gotten more difficult. Yeah. Well, look at, look at your situation that you guys had to face. And I mean, this, this happens, I'm sure over and over and over again. And and it's honestly, the emotions are so incredibly powerful when you lose someone. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I wrote down this, this sentence that you said after a great loss, uh, you can still live a great life. Um, that right there is why everyone should listen to this. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that is such an incredibly powerful thought, but I look at it and on the forgiveness side, it, even though it seems a little irrational when you lose someone to so, so suddenly, right. There's no, there's right. no warning. Um, oftentimes we, we hold resentment against the person for, for just suddenly disappearing out of our lives. And, and it, we never really look at it in the way that we should forgive they don't need our forgiveness. They should, they don't, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not what is the appropriate response when someone passes away, but man, do we hold that against them in a lot of cases to say, how dare you leave me like this? Now I have to deal with all this stuff. And now I'm responsible for all these things. And yet if we're going to move forward, we have to let that go. We have to forgive them. It's not their fault. And, and, and sort of be able to move forward in that way. I know all the time you you earlier, um, we had talked a little bit about you know, failing forward magnificently, but that, that requires some forgiveness. If you're going to actually even be able to fall forward, you have to be able to let go of that resentment. If you want to find any sort of happiness or fulfillment. Right. And I think, you know, so if my sister was the one that said that, right. And it really captures the essence of her depth of faith. Yeah. You know, to to say, you know, from great loss, you can build, still build a great life. I mean, that that is the essence of her faith right there. And she you know, and, it, and it's inspiring, too. Right. Because Absolutely. you would think, wow, you know, how do you get up? And um, not only how do you get up, but how do you rise? Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, I think that that's part of it. And that's one of our mottos at Suzy Swirl, to your point, why we have this one. Uh, one of our guiding principles is to fail forward magnificently because here's why we work with a lot of young people. They're 16, 17 years old, and there's a lot going on with 16 and 17 year olds, you know, you know, yeah, you have them at home. If you work with them, they yeah, a lot going on and they live in a very different society than the one I grew up in. And, um, and they're under a lot of different pressure, but what we're trying to teach is to say, look, you gotta, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be in this with us, then be in it to win it. And we much prefer that you go down swinging than standing, than, you know, standing there holding the bat That's because right. we fail every day. We fail in some form or, you know, it's a, it's progress versus perfection. But, but one of the things that we're trying to instill upon them is look, we're in the frozen happiness business. So your, your point of failure really isn't that great. You know, if a spoon drops or some toppings or something, that's not the end of the world, you know, sweep it up and let's go on. But That's don't, right. Five second don't rule. keep carrying it. <laughs> yeah. Don't keep carrying it with you. That's but, right. but I, you, we find with young people that the pressure is so intense it is. that we, you know, we have fail forward magnificently. And the other one is you don't know until you try. Yeah. And they see us try a whole lot of me, especially try a whole lot of crazy things at Susie's. And, um, you know, and some of them work and some of them don't there, but, but we want to create that environment where, you know, that fear is, you know, is tamped down so that they can not only have faith in what we're doing, but also learn to build that faith in themselves. Well, you've created the environment 
for people, you, you built forgiveness into the platform, right? So that mm-hmm. you're able to approach fear uh, it, it, in a way that is maybe a little more courageous because they know that forgiveness is there for them, right? And, and they Correct. don't have to be perfect. They don't have to do everything exactly how it is because you've built it into the culture. And I wish more companies would do that. You know what? I, I That's why I'm always so thankful for Jim putting us in culture that rocks, because I think that's one of the things, you know, when you think about how much pressure people are under today and this this elusive perfection that everyone pursues. Right. It's kind of like, you know, it just creates, you know, and then you add the environmental factors and really where do people get to take that pressure off in a healthy, productive way? And I think that, you know, what we're starting to see with companies is this embracing of wellness because the very, you know, progressive companies are starting to realize, wow, if we focus on wellness of our people, oh, what would that do to productivity and profitability and all those other things? But more than that, what would it do to communities in our society if we focused in on that? And I think to your point, Brant, you know, forgiveness is sometimes very much left out of the equation in the pursuit of perfection. One of the things that, um, and, and you're sort of alluding to this, and I'm looking at Brant right now, one of the things that uh, Susie Swirl, uh, to me, I think where Kathleen and Sue has really taken to the next level is they've just decided the first job is perhaps going to be the best job. It'll be the one that people remember. And I know McDonald's probably stole that from you because you were saying <laughs> it before then. Um, but honestly, there are a lot of people in this age bracket that come to you and they don't have the social skills, right? They either aren't making eye contact. They don't know perhaps how to count change. They aren't well-versed on using a mop. And, you know, these things that we were all taught that we take for granted, they're not being taught either in school or by their parents. So you have a choice, right? At Susie Squirrel, you can either go, I can't get any great talent. I'm going to pass these people by. Or you look at them, you see something in them with a great personality and you go, I'm going to have to teach them a few things that they probably just were not taught, but it's critical for our business and it's going to make them better in life. And that's your commitment and you're also forgiving you know a little bit of some societal things before they get to you but this is why i thought you know for for us to talk to you and i was so giddy when i saw what your thought was going to be it really is the perfect between both of these thoughts i just think that your organization and the thought process that you and julie and jen and and sue put together you really have found the sweet spot in you know, being committed to the brand and committed to your staff, but also forgiving them. And, you know, I just, you're fantastic with that. And I know you do a lot of work with founders as well, and and we can talk about that. I'm sure you've got a project or two that's going to focus on that somewhere (laughs) down the road, right? Absolutely. So, you know, one, I want to say thanks for the sweet spot, Jim. That was a great, um, that was a great plug right there for sweet and frozen happiness. It all kind of comes together. And I think the other thing that you hit on too is that, you know, uh, we, it's not like we don't have our struggles too. And I, I think that that's really important and, you know, learning to work as a family, you know, is a blessing. And it's also, you know, you've got some, uh, clarity that you have to get in as you do that. You know, we sell delicious, craveable frozen desserts when it's a hundred degrees out, it's awesome. And when it's sub zero, you know, we are grateful for every <laughs> single person that comes in, mm-hmm. but you know, we are committed to, you know, making that super successful. And I think that, you know, but part of that is, is that I really think that, you know, as leaders, as leaders in the world, we're, we're gifted to be leaders. We're blessed to be able to work with people. And it's a responsibility that, you know, if you believe in the highest calling of leadership, of servant leadership, then, you know, part of our responsibility is to make the world, is, is to take, 
people that we work with and give them the opportunity to be better, to have a better life, to have a better career path, whatever it is. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, we all embraced very early on that, you know, we, we did have a business plan, but it wasn't going to be just about the business plan. It was also going to be about what we stood for and why we stood for it. Definitely. And, um, and I think that that's what, you know, if I'm most proud of one thing that we've done is I think that um, we've done a lot of great things and we've had, a you know, we've been on a lot of different paths. But I think the one thing that we've stayed very true to, which is a testament to everyone that we work with every day, is the idea of let's make the first job the right job and let's have people leave Susie's better than, you know, and more knowledgeable than when they first started, because then we will have all done our jobs. You know, I... I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. It's, I started my first year of college. I, I, I was young. I was 17 when I went into college uh, in Florida. And I went in with the intention of being an English major, uh, following sort of in my father's footsteps, who was an English teacher for 35 years. And my very first class, I walked in the door, and uh, the teacher holds up the little brown handbook, and she says to the entire class, if you don't know this already, you have no business being in my class. I am not going to teach it to you. You might as well leave now. And Wow, that's inspiring. Yeah. And, and get, guess what? Brant did not graduate with a degree in English. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because she uh, immediately, it just yeah. destroyed my hope that that's what I wanted to do. And what I love about what you were just describing is that you're doing just the opposite, right? You're literally saying, we got you. We got you. You don't have to know everything. Just come here with an open heart, with an open mind, and let us help you uh, develop the skills that you're going to need to be successful in life. And you do it from the time they're 16. And I promise by the time they get to college, they're going to believe they can do anything they want to do in the world. So thank you so much for that. Oh, no. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, um, I'm very grateful because there, we have got a great team at Susie's that's there each and every day. And we're so grateful for each and every one of our swirlers, as we call them. But, you know, the other thing I would say is that Sue and I've been very, very fortunate to have a tremendous amount of support in our journey. And, you know, Jim's been you know, an unconditional supporter of everything that we've done, even when some of the things are like off the chain crazy. But he's always been, a, you know, and I, I think that that's the other thing that helps with faith, right, and helps us conquer fear, is when we also have a network of people that believe in us too. Because yeah. it can get lonely out there, mm-hmm. and it can get, you know, you can get sideways. I, You know, I fly sometimes, I can get very sideways in my own mind. But to have people that believe in you and are there for you, I think it's one of those good, great keys to success um, to help us stay more on the path of faith and less on the bridge of fear. Well, you know, we, uh, we can, uh, I have to tell you, we, before we talked to you earlier today, we, we recorded another podcast with Don Yeager and this is exactly what Don was talking about yep. is it is so important to surround yourself. Your inner circle has to be people who believe in you are willing to speak truth to you uh, at whatever the cost and know that they're there to encourage and lift you. And, and so, um, he is, that came straight from John Wooden. Yeah. So you're on the, you're on a good roll yeah. right there, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> 
Well, you know, and I think that's, you know, and Don's another, you know, another bright light trying to create positive change in the world. And I think that, that, you know, and look at both of you, you know, and your networks of people that are trying to change, you know, bring bright light to the world. And I think, you know, but, but it is all of us being there to support each other in the work that we're meant to do. And I think that that, that's how we bring more faith to life, uh, to spirituality and to business. You know, it's hilarious. I was just thinking, I totally forgot about this, but we were talking about you on Don's episode as well. We were talking about Kathleen. So it's a kumbaya moment over here right so now. Meta. It's, it's so it meta. Is. It is. You guys are so weird. One degree of separation. <laughs> Kathleen, where, um, you know, I know we were talking a lot about the culture and the people. Where yeah. can people get a hold of the product, especially right now? You've got these awesome yeah. liquor infused uh, flavors, which. <laughs> what? what, what? Yeah, hello. We didn't even talk about that. Sorry, Brant. Forgot to mention. How, how do they we get a hold love of this? Liquor infused frozen yogurt. Yeah. I like to say it's a great, the perfect combination of great cocktails and good probiotics. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, They're frozen helping happiness. people with digestion everywhere. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, telling you what, we all have to serve our way, you know, Brant. <laughs> um, so a couple a couple things that people could do is that yeah. they could look at, you know, Susie Swirl is, you know, we're all over social media just as Susie Swirl. But we also have our website, you know, www.susieswirl.com. Um, I can be reached at Kathleen at susieswirl.com. Um, you know, we are, um, we're just on the cusp of trying, of, of taking our new product line, which is seriously liquor infused frozen yogurts and sorbettos. Um, we have a delicious bourbon caramel right now, which is, um, <laughs> very hard to you know, just kind of keep scooping into that. It's so darn delicious. <laughs> um, but you know, and we always say, you don't, it doesn't have that much alcohol in it. It's less than 4%. So you don't need a liquor license. You just need a spoon. So, um, <laughs> So we have that, and then we have our great Moscow Mule Pink Champagne, and um, and we've got our next ver- our next lineup of co- of cocktails and yogurts coming out, which will be a, a dark chocolate Grand Marnier, um, a strawberry margarita in the mix on that, and then a vodka lemonade. So, Brant is look, salivating over here. Twist yeah. my arm, so fine. If you yeah. need me to taste these things, I will yeah, do well, it. You know what, Brand? We'll put you at the top of our tasting list. <laughs> You've now given him eight thoughts that rock. <laughs> Thanks for destroying my keto diet. I appreciate that. You know, Brent, it does have it does have probiotics and protein in it. So, oh, fine, um, fine, okay, I'm know, convinced. All the good things you need. <laughs> That's the truth. But um, those are right now available online, and then um, and then we're working. You know, this is the next phase of our journey. Um, is our team is doing awesome and. We, uh, the team, we're moving forward to, you know, start bringing Susie Swirl out, you know, as my sister would say, to everyone, everywhere. Um, and that is our, the next phase of our journey with Susie Swirl. So good. I, I love everything you're doing. And I know we talk on a regular basis, but, um, you know, for you to just carve out some time and spend some some time with us and, and share your thoughts. Honestly, I wasn't kidding. It probably is like eight thoughts at Rock. It wasn't just one. It's... <laughs> We're we're just so honored, and uh, I love you, pal. I'm so I'm so thankful for having you in our lives and uh, for you spending some time with us today. Well, I just I want to say uh, thank you to both of you because the work that you're doing, you know, with your books, you know, Brant, your book, Jim, your book, um, you know, you're speaking uh, the message, you know, your stories and the messages that you're bringing. I mean, it's it's changing the world. Uh, it has changed my world. It's changed my business, and it's changed all the people that we touch in our business each and every day. So. You know, right. The love is right back at you. And um, I'm so blessed to have you both in my life. And I think that, uh, you know, what the world, you know, if you really think about it, right, they had that uh, statement uh, in the Bible that, you know, there's these three great gifts of, you know, faith, hope 
and love and the greatest thing that we need in the world, you know, the greatest of the three was love. Mm-hmm. And when I think about what you're doing and what we're all trying to do is we're truly trying to live that greatest gift of all is to bring more love and light into the world. So thank you for all you're doing. Thank that you. is a mic drop right there. Boom. Thank you for bringing that love on a spoon. Baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for you, Brad. <laughs> all right. You're great. We will talk to you soon. Thank you both so Thanks, much. Thanks, Kathleen. Love Bye, you. Bye, Kathleen. You Rock bet. on. Bye-bye. Right. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on.